Good evening, good morning, good whatever it is, wherever you are, and welcome back to Sudden But Inevitable, the sci-fi rewatch podcast that is dedicated to single-season space westerns that were canceled before their time. I, of course, am your host, Captain Bootscoot, a.k.a. Vanilla Husband, a.k.a. Jesse. And with me, as always this week, is my very good friend and co-host, Josh. Josh, welcome back to Sudden But Inevitable. How's your Friday going? It is. It's going good. It's going good. Again, best part of my week. Um, I have some, like, huge, crazy changes happening tomorrow. So, like, today I'm very excited to be doing this. (laughs) I am very excited to have you with my friend, and I gotta say, huge crazy changes are not new here at Sudden But Inevitable, but they never get easier. Um, however, I gotta say, if if I may, you should be confident in this one because you have a plan, and I know it's gonna work out. Yes, no, I'm 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 fully confident. It's just a it's a huge, huge thing, you know. It's a it's a crazy thing going on, but. You know, this technically this is my last podcast in the state of Colorado. Ooh, what? it's an exclusive. <laughs> it's an exclusive. We have Josh's last Colorado podcast here at Sudden But Inevitable. Yep, yep. Thank you for being with us, man. I know that uh, this is, like you said, right before all the stress hits you for the weekend. So I appreciate you taking the time to be here. And I know that, I mean, honestly, every week we all have stuff going on and we manage to cram this in. And cramming it in is what this next person does best. Of course, I'm talking about Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. Welcome to the show, Ricky D. How's your Friday going? Oh, it has been one heck of a week. I had to call off work past few days. I'm barely dragging by, but I'm here for the podcast. I'm going to get in what I need to say and uh, taking it easy, I guess. That's the way to be, and as you may know, if you have listened to Sudden But Inevitable or watched before, my good friends on the screen with me have a tendency to feel misrepresented in their views if they're not here, and they feel like I just sort of assign them some some uh, observations, shall we say. Now, I think that if this next person, our final guest for season three of Sudden But Inevitable, which of course is covering the live-action series Cowboy Bebop, I think if this next person were to assign you observations, you would have fewer objections, maybe. Of course, I'm talking about friend of the Twist My Arm Network and Cowboy Bebop superfan, Phil. Welcome back to Sudden But Inevitable, Phil. Thank you for being here with us. How was your Friday, man? Hey, guys. It is good to be back. It has been a pretty decent Friday. I had actually moved myself earlier in the week, so uh, it's been pretty good. Man, everybody is leaving or moving, and there is change happening. Like, it's like there's real life happening behind this podcast, you guys. It's now, like adulthood or before something. we jump in, I I wouldn't go that far. It sucks. <laughs> oh, that far I would go. Yes. <laughs> um, but before we jump in this week, we do have to say hello to some beautiful, wonderful, supportive folks in our live chat. That's something that our, uh, not all of our listeners appreciate, but that's okay. We're going to do it anyway. I want to say hello to Angelus, hello to Sean, hello to Rosie, hello to Callie D. I, I just am so happy to have you all here with us in the live chat, supporting us as you do every week. It means the world to us, and Sudden But Inevitable would be very different without you. It would have, I would say, 40% less heart, at least. Now... Speaking of, did you guys hear that John DiMaggio is going back to Futurama? Anyways, this isn't a Futurama podcast. <laughs> yeah. This podcast 
This podcast is about, as I mentioned, the live-action Cowboy Bebop series. Now, Phil, I did introduce you as the superfan, and that is sort of your moniker here at the network for Cowboy Bebop. You have joined us once before for this series, and you joined us for the original anime series. But really quickly, go ahead and give the live viewers and our listeners a quick recap of how you came to the series and what it is that makes Cowboy Bebop your home. All right. Well, I mean, I got hooked into uh, Sudden But Inevitable via Ricky D, uh, college roommate Ricky D. Uh, But uh, I've been watching Cowboy Bebop since uh, off and on since high school and have just kind of picked up bits and pieces of it throughout and then finally got all the way through it a couple of times in college and keep going back to it every couple of years. And let's just get it out of the way. Uh, what do you think of the live action adaptation? Do you hate it as a as a huge cowboy bebop of the a fan of the original series? Do you hate the adaptation or are, or are you you know level headed? Uh, <laughs> only a little bit of a loaded question there. Uh, no, I am uh, I am very upset. Uh, I am very very upset about the live action cowboy bebop uh, because because it got canceled already. <laughs> I would have loved to see what they did with another season because we'll we'll get to it. But there's there's a lot of threads that were left at the end of this. I mean, that is an understatement, my friend. And I would be remiss if I didn't say go follow me on Twitter at Sudden But. If you do that, you may have noticed an interaction that I had with I promise this is my best attempt at your name sir javier grio Marxwatch, who was one of the executive producers and writers for the cowboy bebop live action series i said we feel robbed of a second series and <laughs> he replied to me and said you have no idea all joking aside <laughs> so it's like ugh, how much does that hurt just to know that even the people that created this show are like Season two is where it is at. You don't even know what you're missing. It's just, oh, it well, feels... See, and that's that's what I was saying, like, in our little green room before we started. I'm pretty sure that one of the higher-up executives in Netflix, like the CEO or the CEO's son or something, like, had to have been a huge fan of the original Cowboy Bebop and just hated this one. And so at the end, mm. he was just like, nope, done. Pull the plug. Because it was quick. It was quick. I know, but it's like quicker than normal. I feel like <laughs> I feel like any huge fan of the original series that really watched this with an open heart and like fond memories of the original series would fall in love with it. So maybe there was somebody who was like cynically going, "You know what? It's going to generate views for the anime that we just acquired anyway, so who cares? Let's just cancel it." Uh, I have no idea. I mean, to your point, it could I, be I like, literally any combination of things. I like to right? think it's some sort it of could spiteful be, executive that just hates it could be everything cool. It could be a gatekeepy fan. Like it could easily be a gatekeepy fan. That's a very good point. It's just like the speed with which it happened was just ugh. I mean, and let's not dwell on this. Because it was like Jupiter's we've, legacy. We've talked about it before. But, but see, we've Ju- talked about it before. Jupiter's legacy was actually pretty good and it, it took a lot longer for that show to get canceled. I, I feel like but that's why I I don't know. There's had to have been some sort of vendetta out, out against this show. 
Yeah. I feel like worst shows have lasted longer is the understatement of the century. Yeah. With, I mean, <laughs> yeah. especially here at Sudden But Inevitable, right? We've talked about Firefly. We've talked about Cowboy Bebop. We've talked about this Cowboy Bebop. I got to say really quickly, hello to Smallville Sky in the chat. Thank you for being here. Hi. Just got off work, came in to watch with us. Thank you so much. Angela says, robbed. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. And Rosie recognizes Javier. He created The Middleman. He also worked on Lost and a lot of other very popular shows. He's got a great podcast called Children of Tendu that teaches you how to be a screenwriter and showrunner. Like, it's pretty cool. That's actually with uh, uh, Jose Molina of Firefly. Anyways, you guys, we are here, as we mentioned, to talk specifically about the finale of live-action Cowboy Bebop with our friend, the superfan, Phil. That finale of course is called supernova symphony now we we can't we cannot talk about this episode without talking about the church scenes and i feel like just just go right ahead huh just skip right ahead i mean we should (laughs) we may as well because we're going to talk about let's just all go rewatch uh that with the fallen angels from the original (laughs) anime and then you're right josh bring that screen up let's stream that for the for the live audience and then (laughs) No, but but I mean seriously, like every we don't need a synopsis. Everybody knows what we're here to do. Everybody who's watching episode ten knows what happens in episode ten, and we'll get to all the important scenes, I promise. But for this this episode, I think the church scenes cannot be overstated. Their importance and and their just just everything about this scene, right, cannot be overstated. The importance of it. So, mm-hmm. Phil, why don't you just give us your thoughts on? the church scene you can you can be as as short-winded or as long-winded as you like my friend they absolutely nailed it nailed it could not have asked for a better a- adaptation of of the church fight from ballad of fallen angels they were nearly shot for shot and line for line with the dialogue in most cases as well yes angelus exactly choreography angelus in the chat says choreography was absolutely top notch yeah that like yeah rolling over his back thing Ah, and they managed to imbue tension in a scene that i know the outcome of right like i know spike isn't gonna die here i know jet's not gonna die here like i know vicious probably will not die here like there's there's a lot of stuff here where i'm like I don't know. I, as I, the first time I was watching it, to your point, I'm like, I have no idea how they're going to make this scene feel like it has the same stakes as the original scene. Because I immediately recognize, I mean, that first overhead shot of Spike walking into the church, you're like, this is going to be exactly what I hope it's going to be. And they they hit rain with yeah. the, uh, the soundtrack. I just... That yeah. song, I... I talk a lot about Don't Bother None. Mm-hmm. Everybody talks a lot about Tank. Uh, mm-hmm. We we talk a lot about The Fate of the Three last week with Chris and Leslie from Measuring the Score podcast. But yeah, this Rain song, I mean, this is easily one of the most recognizable tracks from the original anime, specifically because of the church scene, right? But we don't... Okay, we get every shot that that was in the original, and we get it, but we get a remixed version of it much as we have up to this point in the series right Smallville i gotta say like a leo moment oh oh yeah <laughs> i and i i can't help myself like i was so upset um when spike is in the bar and jet is on the phone and jet's face just freezes in the middle of being on the phone i was like i know exactly what's happening and 
all the hair on my body is standing up and talk about some excellent excellent reaction work from mustafa shakir in that shot Mm -hmm. just everything in his facial expression absolutely sold the entire emotion of the scene i think his um acting throughout this whole episode was incredible he's with yeah with like he was the best part of this between him and Faye, i think Faye did a really good job as well i mean I, everyone honestly this this whole episode was just everyone was it was their shining moment you know for julia had her moment um uh spike and vicious had their moment you know like everyone had it even and you know i actually want to want to bring up even anna had her moment and i want to bring up that um cam from green shirt podcast had actually mentioned on twitter earlier this week that anna confessed to ratting out spike originally but she didn't she didn't actually do that correct no 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 so what happened was last week on the show last time on sun but inevitable um there was a a moment where i believe uh chris or no, Leslie and maybe Josh oh. were convinced that Anna had had given Spike up, and Cameron had on I believe on Twitter mentioned that he was pretty sure Julia gave him up, but we didn't know that until this episode. And mm. Cameron went, "But you guys have seen it," and I said, "Yes, but I, what I meant to say was we didn't remember it yet, <laughs> um, because we do find out in this episode that Anna did not break. Yeah, but, like that's why she carries a cane, mm-hmm. right? And." just uh that that, okay since we're there let's talk about the standoff (laughs) gren we have the shot we have the shot of gren from the intro right and speaking of our friend cameron from (laughs) the green shirt podcast that was cameron's cover shot when he was here on sudden but inevitable and there's another character like they did such a good job with the with their spotlight in, in this scene as well like even just that small line that that uh that faye has You know, like, <laughs> is this an open bar? Oh, you're fun. You're fun. Like, just that one line. They crushed it. And, like, everyone in this episode crushed it. And sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt that. I no, uh, I just wanted to say uh, the first thing that happened when uh, Jet and Faye went into the bar, into Anna's bar, they pulled their guns out and they say, put your guns down. And Gren immediately responds by taking two <laughs> guns out after he's been told to put his guns away yeah no and they they, they pull they pull guns and it just immediately well the funny thing was anna was just trying to hand spike a weapon but it yeah. looked like she was you know and and when i watched it for the second time I, I realized that she was actually like holding the gun out like pointing at him and no wonder Faye and jet came in just like the because it looks like anna was about to shoot him Yep. And then that, but I got to say, if they gave us the Faye and Gren side story, whatever <laughs> side story that, that is. episode together. Please. I mean, okay. In the, in the anime, I don't, not to be that guy, but in the anime, they shared an apartment. That's a perfect setup for a sitcom. <laughs> I, I would watch the hell out of that oh personally. God. Or even just give me Faye and Gren. Like, because, I, because Faye just dude. left. And Gren doesn't really have much to do, so like you know, 
You know, yeah. if they want to help Faye go figure out her whole past thing, that'd be. Yeah. So I got to point this out. Our friend Callie D in the chat made a comment in my voice. She said, also, Jet's look in that interaction with Faye where she told him that she may have found her past and he asks her if it can hold. She has slight taken aback look on her face and Jet's expression goes all soft. Then she made a comment in Ricky D's voice. The micro expression in that scene was so perfect. <laughs> then she made a comment in Josh's voice. Acting, man. <laughs> Just perfect evolution, Callie D. That's that shows that she knows this show, and I appreciate you being here in the chat. Our friend Rosie points it out too. The cast was real rounded. I couldn't help myself, but yeah, just the the tension in this scene. And again, we're we're all pretty sure that this is going to be a fun scene, right? We're like, okay, no one's going to probably die here, but they are all pointing guns at each other, and this is really fun. And how perfect that Gren would have two weapons, right? Because they're the one telling other people no weapons. Yeah. So. <laughs> Rules for thee and not for me. And I really, really love that Jet, his gun is like physically larger than everybody else's gun. Like it is this giant hand cannon sort of a of a gun. But uh, yeah, so basically that scene segues directly into that, oh no, Jet's daughter. And I knew this was going to happen the moment that I saw that Jet had a daughter in the series, right? Like you knew it was coming. Mm -hmm. But we get this sort of, Okay, here's the thing that I think is a little bit strange. The marketing for this series, I think, features a lot of shots from this scene where they walk out into this purple-lit alleyway and they're having this fight and it's like, why did they choose this episode specifically to pull a lot of marketing material from, personally? I don't know. But beyond that, we do get this remixed, again, version of the Carry That Weight line from no. Faye, right? And... It's somehow, like, I know that it's forced, but it doesn't feel forced. <laughs> like, to me, that's just how Faye talks. And actually, that kind of brings up a complaint that I have about the complaints, <laughs> which I know is sort of a, a thing we do here. But a lot of people have talked about, you know, the dialogue is trying to be Firefly or too quippy or it's trying to be this, that, or the other thing. And it's like, I I really am just going to disagree with that because Faye to me talks like somebody who is disconnected from the time that she's in like she uses some slang that does fit and some slang that doesn't fit and it sounds like she's trying to approximate the slang that she has heard and the way that the rest of them talk is just based on the tropes of their characters which is how they talked in the anime so I don't know what people are complaining about like Faye has Faye has very much a how do you do fellow kids kind of <laughs> attitude when it comes to the slang <laughs> Because she was frozen, she has no idea what the people of the time talk. Nobody like. says balls, <laughs> <sighs> except Jesse. I love That's what that I thought. Scene. I was like, man, has Faye yeah. just been hanging out with Jesse? Because like, <laughs> I love that scene. Go back and listen to our coverage of episode. Oh, what was that? Five, I think. No, episode four, where people are getting turned into trees. Yeah, go listen to that episode. It's a good episode. <laughs> You know what? Just start at the start. Listen to the whole sudden but inevitable backlog. Why not? You got time. There's a few episodes. It's gonna take there. you like a week. <laughs> yeah, it'll be a it'll be a a, a while. Wow. Uh, so so Ricky D, as I am want to do, I have been talking for twenty minutes straight. Mm -hmm. Is there anything bef that you feel like since we're not going in chronological order? Is there any scene or any particular thing that you feel like? Oh, I want to be the one that gets to bring that up. <laughs> 
Nothing I can come up with at the moment. Nothing that we've gone past so far. Perfect. So, Josh, you. The very first scene with Vicious and Julia. He's just still covered in blood, and he's like, <laughs> you know, the plan went according, accordingly, just not the one that you and Mao made. And, like, his his smile and stuff to her and like the like he smashes that glass over like first of all julia is one tough chick because taking a a glass to the head i would be out like a whiskey glass a thick <laughs> yeah, one i would either be out or crying <laughs> so like for her to just get up and then talk the shit that she does i was like man ballsy and awesome like i think that was kind of the moment you realize that julia's about to stop putting up with people's shit and and really take charge, you know. This first first scene, it's it, like, it built well. Yeah, and, and you realize that it's gonna be it a, built up well to the end of the episode. It's gonna be different. I, I feel like I I I honestly thought like when you first watch it, I'm like, oh, this is gonna be cool, but it's probably not gonna be the same thing that we saw in the anime. And and it wasn't like in the anime, Julia gets shot, you know, on that last episode. Our friend Rosie points out she is royally pissed. And I think yeah. that, that is, I think that's the key there is that in that scene, uh, Julia is not frightened that Vicious has returned. Yeah, she's like, she damn it. Furious. <laughs> and like, just scrambling to make a new plan. Yeah. And her, and the gears are turning in her head. Yeah. And, and she's like, okay, how do I, what is the next option here? And she know, I mean, she knows the next option. And I believe that's why she told Vicious where Spike is because she goes, this is the best chance, right? Like, gotta get, you know, but it, it's, yeah, there, we'll get into it. Anyways, <laughs> this scene does have a very cool framing device with a vicious uh, a bottle of alcohol. It's got a, a hole in the center of his decanter, and Julia is sitting in the middle of that hole. She's the center of his world, and he's, you know, he removes everything but her, and she just stays there. And then puts her back. She's that missing piece, mm -hmm. right? He's she's the one piece of this plan that he did not account for. Mm -hmm. She's the missing piece of his bottle, right? And yeah, just I don't know, Ricky D specifically. Better glass over the face here or better glass over the face in the departed? <laughs> Man, I don't know. I'm <laughs> not remembering it in the departed. What are you kidding me? He orders the cranberry juice, and the other guys. Like, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were meant peering through the glass. No. Uh, oh no 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 no. Now I'm gonna go the departed. The departed had yeah. more like visceral <laughs> hatred in it, whereas <laughs> when Vicious did this to Julia, uh, it was more spiteful. Yeah, it just it didn't know, feel like as that's good to me. It's pretty hate. Yeah, it was me. hateful, and it was it was like domestic <laughs> violence, which is not cool. Childish. Whereas yeah, you know. Yeah. Male on male yep. mobster violence is hilarious. So <laughs> very cool. <yeah. laughs> Smoking in real life, not cool. Smoking in the movies, cool. <laughs> uh, you know, you asked me earlier if there's anything I wanted to point out, and I actually did notice something. Uh, and it was we were talking about the ratings earlier, and this getting canceled so quickly. And you know, I always like to look at the top ten shows that are on Netflix, and. All the time, it's like new seasons of Netflix shows, new Netflix movies, uh, maybe a new release or something. But right now, Shrek 1 and Shrek 2 are at the top of the Netflix top 10 list in uh, in the U.S., of course. That's the only now, where I have access to it. And, wait, what are you watching? I have The Last Kingdom and Pieces of Her. <laughs> point. They are pulling a lot of stuff 
here at the end of the month. And oh, so a lot of people are binging through stuff that's going to be going okay. That makes sense. It, so uh, case in point, the kids and I watched Despicable Me tonight because it's going away by the end of March. So, And there are some programs where if you put them on and then put your child in front of them, you have like 20 minutes to just not pay any attention to what your child is doing. <laughs> not that I would ever do that. I'm just saying like some parents might do that. But I feel what Ricky D is saying because there are days where I go on there and I look through the top 10 trending on Netflix. I'm like, this is all crap. Like I can I can look at this and know that it's crap. Like it is designed to be crap. Like this isn't me unnecessarily bashing on things, I don't think. I feel like this is me going definitely middle of the road stuff is the most popular stuff. Yeah. Right. I don't think that's a hot take. God, I hate that. I mean and that's not for a hot God's take. Sake, it's just a truth of, of things. Mark Wahlberg's right? shooter is number eight. <laughs> jo- what's that about? Yeah, so well, it's I like I just I can't there's part of me that's like, you don't deserve Cowboy Bebop. Like this <laughs> yeah. is, too, this is too good for you. Like this is, this beyond you, you know. But then the other part of me is like, let Hulu or someone else. Well, pick the other it part's up. like, yes, please make more so that I can have it because I deserve Cowboy Bebop. Like, and I want it. I love it. And please give me more of it, please. But it's a, it's um, it's an. It's an exercise in the human condition of holding two contradicting ideas in the heart at the same time. If you haven't watched Neon Genesis Evangelion recently, please go do so. Um, I binged in like three weeks and it was bad for my mental health, but I'm feeling much better now. Uh, so let's let's go to Phil. Phil, uh, Josh has had a moment. Ricky has had a moment. Is there a, a scene or a, a thing that you feel like you'd like to be the first to talk about from this episode? So the, the, the first thing that really hit after that initial uh, vicious Julia scene uh, was kind of the realization that uh, episode nine was all Spike's unconscious flashback after the fight with Pierrot in episode eight. And I thought that that was absolutely fantastic framing. Good call. But we don't really get to see the framework within episode nine we don't see the framing device until we see gren in their ship coming in uh to rescue spike Hmm. so you know then though so we get that whole bit um the whole bureau uh battles over he flashes back remembers his past comes back up and when he wakes up you see one of the the live action version of one of the most iconic images of Spike from the series. It's just him wrapped in bandages. <laughs> like, all right, all right, we're doing we're doing more of the anime shots. And before the end of this this episode, we will also get Spike like just absolutely brutalized mm-hmm. and all purple and bumpy, <laughs> mm-hmm. which again direct shots <laughs> yeah. from the anime. Um, but yes, let's. Let us take a step. I don't know which direction this would be. We have to talk about the scene, which is, again, almost a direct pull, where Faye is watching the video of her younger self, and she goes, okay, I'm I'm going to do some... Okay, here's let's talk about this. If this was taking place now, I would hate this thing, where they go, oh, let me just add information to this photograph that didn't exist enhance before. computer enhance. zoom in and enhance yeah. enhance <laughs> yeah and <laughs> now 
with a series like this where it's already sci-fi and it's already the future, I can accept that, hey, maybe there's like upscaling AI uh, photo prediction for the edge of your photo. Okay, fine. I'm fine with that. I really am fine with that. Also, as as our friend Ricky D has so eloquently brought up many times, this series takes place in our solar system, giving us a sense of reality to it, but that also gives us a limited number of places we could live, right? So it's not completely out of the realm of possibility that a computer could figure out where that building is. Yes, yeah, I mean... So I'm okay with that. We have, you know, but, reverse image search Yeah, the already. Google Lens thing, that's crazy. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, but we get... This is all just a setup for, like, two minutes of pure emotional gold from Daniela Pineda's Faye. Because her drive to go find her past, right? I mean, it was there in the anime. and But, but it was like, whatever. She's kind of manipulative. Here, it's like, oh, I just want her to be happy for once. Can she please catch a break? And this Faye is clearly different because she is like, hey, I, I, I think I have a lead on the only thing I've ever wanted to know. And the first thing Jet says to her with no hesitation is, cool, can that wait? And she like okay. doesn't really reply. But because he has a daughter, he knows I have to just keep explaining. I can't wait for her answer. He explains to her, okay, it's because we got to go get Spike and this, that, and the other thing. And she swallows her excitement and her pride at the same time and says, let's go get Spike. And it's one of my favorite lines in the series. And it's, it's some of the best, some of the best emotion we get from, from Danielle Panetta in is in that sequence. Cause it's just everything she's worked for is right there. You know, she's this close to grabbing a hold of, of the, of that thread. And I think it's her eyes. Her eyes are huge. <laughs> like, uh, Daniela Pineda's eyes are physically yeah. <laughs> ginormous, um, and the the makeup, right, with the yes. winged eyeliner and everything, perfect like, for an adaptation yeah. of an anime. <laughs> very, very, and yes, it's. I mean, Faye in particular, but yeah, it's. I it's one of those very small touches that I'm like, why didn't other adaptations go subtle like that, right? Like, because if you look at this show, yes, there are. 91% Dutch angles and heavily saturated colors. But, like, everything else about it is pretty, like, I don't know. I don't want to say basic. What's the word I'm looking for? It's like uh, normal, like grounded. It's all very grounded. The reality of the thing feels real to me. It, it, it's a, a an accomplishment in, I think, production design that makes it feel like these are the clothes they would wear. This is a realistic space for them to be inhabiting. Like none of, none of it feels like fake, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Cheap. None of it feels cheap to me. Um, except in moments where it's supposed to look cheap, right? There are definite moments where they go, okay, this would be funny if it was cheap and they do that. And I'm fine with that. But I just, yeah, I, 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 I love it. And uh, our friend Angela says, for the record, literally nothing wrong with clear-cut changes to the story that isn't considered monumental. It happens quite a bit in Alita. Both still manage to pay some respect to the source material. And yeah, I gotta agree. It's it's one of those things like the with a source material like this, where there is so much passion already associated with it, there's gonna be detractors no matter what, right? So you have to kind of just like pick your your lane and stay dedicated to it and i feel like there was just vision at the top of this thing that was 
perfectly executed in my opinion and uh, maybe that's why people don't like it is because i do like it <laughs> sounds about right uh look at that shot i just had to bring this up because it's just so good man it's just so good it's so pretty <sighs> it's also one of the brighter scenes yeah uh I think it, that might have been actually, enhanced uh, maybe I think that that's a production shot because in the in the actual scene there it, it, there's a lot uh bluey or bluer mo blue mo better blue but it was it was yeah now it's in your head that for an audio drop we had some good audio drops last week yeah if if you didn't listen to last week's episode with Chris and Leslie from Measuring the Score podcast go check that out there was great great drops in that episode if I do say so myself Yes, uh, but I would like to open it up to the live chat really quickly. If there's a scene that you folks would like us to discuss next, go ahead and throw it in the live chat. But I am going to ask Josh. Josh, do you have a scene in mind next? I do, but I don't want to talk about it quite yet because it's like the most freaking, like, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, set yourselves up to then be just brought down and and pain, lots of pain. (laughs) Then uh, let's jump back over to the bar scene really quickly. Mm. I recognize bottles. It made me happy. <laughs> Was there kudo at the bar? Uh, I just I did not see a bottle of the kudo. Uh, I did, however, see a bottle of Hendrix gin, uh, very like front and center behind Gren. Uh, like the whole time, I was like, "Hey, now I drink that." <laughs> slight digression. I hope you will forgive me. For the new show, Star Trek Picard, there is a <laughs> promotional bar in, in L.A. called Ten Forward. And you can go there and drink themed drinks and, you know, have a grand old time and meet cast members from the show and things like that. I wish and I wonder, did they do something like that with Anna's bar? Because that space is gorgeous, first of all. But it looks like it could be a real establishment. I, I mean, if they if they put that set together and didn't utilize it as like a cat for like a cast party or something, then it'd be a shame. Yeah. And yes, Callie, Tours? exactly. I thought we were past this. <laughs> the the combination of Gren's sass and Faye's like naive playfulness, I think, is what would be would be so fun about watching them together in season two right and i mean it would probably be a a bit of a trick to get their paths to cross again but i'm sure that they could come up with that um angela says the debate between Faye and jet the scene still hits hard because you completely understand where jet is coming from but she's but i still 100 percent agree with Faye. yeah so our friend angelus is talking about the scene where Faye says i will not carry that weight and Jet's basically saying, look, if it's my daughter or Spike, that's not a question to me. That's a very easy decision to make, and the answer is give up Spike. That's a a difficult thing, I think, for Faye, because she has been abandoned by her parents, right? But she also feels that she's found this family now, so she's holding on to this family. She doesn't want it to break apart. Because you could argue that she would go, oh, you know, that's that's the right thing to do. I wish my parents had done that. I wish they had, you know, done whatever it, it took to keep me around them. But I think she realizes that they did. They, they tried to save her, right, by freezing her, and that's what's left her alone. So maybe that's why she's like, 
just because you think that's the right thing to do doesn't mean you're right. Sorry, Phil, go ahead. I was just going to say we don't have quite the same depth yet uh, to her background in the live action show that we got in by the end of the anime. You know? Correct. But she has had at least a couple of what she probably considers to be close calls, right? Yeah. Where she was like, I was this close to finding out and then it was all torn away again. Yeah. So it is, I mean, it is her, you know, the, the, the weight that her character is carrying regardless. So I think it's just, yeah, that scene really does hit hard. And, and the math, we'll just say the math of it was, uh, that was rough. But I got to say, I was in a similar way to when I was surprised that Vicious had survived getting his head cut off somehow because I forgot about the hollow mask. Uh, same thing here. I forgot that Vicious just got shot in the head and didn't die. I was like, yeah. what? Ha- oh, right. Hollows again. Like, are you serious? I actually forgot since the last time that happened. So my, my initial reaction was, holy shit, he's got Shiro's shield tech. Mm. Mm. Just because picking back up, I was still on that whole in the aftermath of the Puro fight, you know, and then it's like, no, 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 no. That was a phenomenal set of double crosses back and forth there. Well, and the look on Vicious' face when all of his his dudes get killed and then a bullet gets fired at him and he just goes, <sighs> yeah. well, <laughs> it's like, I knew that was going to happen, but he's so smirky and snarky and it's like, ah, this, uh, you know, if our friend Sincera were here, I would say, is this your vicious? Because I have a feeling yeah. that it is. This is, this vicious is nothing to lose, do not care, full on uh, Kubrick stare, which is a term I learned from my friend Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. There's a lot of, you know, psycho smiling in this episode with his teeth pressed together. And there's a lot of like hair hanging in front of my face sort of a thing. And I gotta be honest, I usually hate watching people fight with a katana because it always looks I don't know what the name <laughs> cheesy or something right usually it somehow ends up looking like there's no weight to the katana I think is my problem is it looks like it's just like you can tell it's a prop sword right it's too light um but I don't feel like I have that issue in this in this episode I feel like we really do get the heft of Vicious Sword at, at last episode too, when he rested it on Anna's thigh. <laughs> Not to mention the audible sharpness. <laughs> oh, man, which is just so anime, right? I mean, shing. that's how you know it's a sword. It <laughs> Every like two seconds, how do you know there's a sword in play? And speaking of anime, how great was that shot where uh, Jet was waiting for the people to go open the trunk for Spike? With all the God. syndicate members, and they did that mm-hmm. double shot right next to each the other. Two screen that kind of looks yeah. comic booky, and mm-hmm. uh, I was really excited for that. Uh, I was I was going into that going, okay, so Jet is mad at Spike, but Jet doesn't have a chance without Spike because he he's obviously going to get double crossed. Jet's going to get double crossed here, so he needs somebody on his side. So what is he going to do with Spike to get through this? So I, he's going to use the best weapon at his disposal, which, as he has learned, is a former syndicate assassin. <laughs> but yeah, I like I felt uh, a lot of anticipation going into that. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, speaking of the camera work there, I really love the transition between Julia's flipped over mm-hmm. a car full of henchmen and 
the fender mm-hmm. of Jet's vehicle, right? It's like the inverted shape of that car matches the regular shape of Jet's car. So the way they intercut between those two things was masterful. And they did a similar thing with the trunks, right? The trunk shot where they opened one and then the they cut to the trunk of the other or the hood of the other one. And it was just... It was a lot like the champagne shot from, from when they went to Pound Town. <laughs> Bro. Exactly. <laughs> one. Everybody gets one. And it reminded me of um, it, like going to uh, classic art, uh, Hokusai's uh, the the Great mm-hmm. Wave. You've got the the like fractal wave curling over, but if you flip the piece, you see that entire wave shape mirrored underneath it. And yeah, in the same yeah, and it's there is so much about the visuals that are are so deeply anime, but. Again, I feel like it's because the original anime was designed to look like it was real, like it was designed to look like a live action series, mm-hmm. right? Except for the action. <laughs> can we can we talk about that car crash for a second? Holy crap. I uh I, I especially like the lady that's like, oh, oh you you love him? I will do anything for love. <laughs> Just jokes the guy out. And then dies for love. I got a little bit of a flashback to the Dark Knight. <laughs> it's like you're lucky. Oh, he's not. Who? Your driver. Your driver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I more than just that she was a huge fan of love. Julia manipulated her into thinking she was going to die. I mean, yeah. now to be fair, Julia was probably right. Like, she goes, "You know that vicious <laughs> knows that you know that." He got cheated on, right? And he's gonna kill you for that. So she she goes, "Oh, <laughs> that's that's probably true." <laughs> so it, it it is, but it is the beginning. Well, maybe not the beginning, but it is another one of those little moments where we are reminded, "Hey, this Julia, not the Julia that nope. we are used to." I would like to ask you guys. We were reminded earlier in the series when Vicious was falling in love with Julia or Julia as he calls her and we find out that she is Russian by birth her mother tongue is Russian and what do we think that that means is there so supposed to be some sort of tie into another Russian character or is there is that just like we're going to add this to her backstory for no reason? Or is there some sort of crime reason to do that? Or do you guys think it's just flavor? Honestly, I, without getting into a second season, I'd say just flavor. Now, now, maybe building something that they could come back to if they wanted to elaborate well, I don't, on her I don't backstory. think it was as much of a one of those things like, like Jed's daughter, for instance. Yeah. Like she came in at the beginning, and you're like, "Oh, Jet has a daughter. That's that's weird, but okay." But in the end, his daughter becomes a huge plot device. I don't think Julia's Russian mm-hmm. backstory would have become that big of a plot device. No, no, not not nearly to the same extent. But I mean, they they could have drawn on her connect on potential connections that she might have off of her own. So. Let me ask you guys this. Connections that she creates through the Russians or whatever. Do you remember, if you remember back to the anime, and I'm not using the anime to like judge this. I'm just saying, we know that this is remixed source material, right? 
Do you remember in the anime remix. when Julia and Faye met each other? And they have this very brief, like, hey, let's, you know, girl power for like eight minutes. Like, you know what? I can see that you're running from something and I identify with that. So, girl, let's go. <laughs> and they they get in the car together. It's very cool. They drive fast. It's just like you can feel the wind in the animation. It's very impressive. Do you guys remember the character of the mink? The iron mink? Do you remember his accent? So, is it possible that the Iron Mink and Whitney and Faye and Julia could have like crossed paths in some way oh, yeah. in the next season, in season two, where he would be like, Julia, you have been here the whole time. We've been looking for you. And she's like, ugh, you know, maybe there could be some sort of connection there. And then Faye's <laughs> like, I'm sorry, what? How do you How two, do you know, two each know each other? See, and now, that- now I just want. Uh, a spinoff show with all of them yes! plus Gren. Oh, yeah. I like, mean, like a team of those five, <laughs> you know? Okay. I'm going to go ahead and say it right now. I think Ed was perfectly translated. Let's yes! talk about yes! Radical Edward. Yes! I don't, I, I yes! feel like we have to talk about this because Radical Edward was one of those points. I mean, we talked about it in season two, you guys. We said this is going to be divisive and whoever they pick is going to need to be thick-skinned and able to do a lot of weird physicality and this, that, and the other thing. What did? It, okay, let's start with Josh. Josh, what did you think of the one scene that we get with Ed in this series? Well, first of all, Eden Perkins did a great job. Yes, they did. Playing Ed. Um, and they were just, I mean, it was everything that I could have hoped and dreamed they would be, you know, like, like when, when Ed first pops in and like when Spike falls down and then sees Ed and they're just like screaming at him and he's like, oh my God, oh my God, no, stop it. And, you know, he's trying to like denounce his name there and stuff, which kind of in season two, I feel like he probably would have gone by a different name. Um, but yeah, I, I loved Ed and, and everything that like that Eden had, it's funny, Eden, you just call her, call her Ed, call, call him Ed, Ed you Eden, know, short for Ed. Um, <laughs> I, I just, everything, Cali the goggles, D. the like this, the whole hand thing the flailing and, uh, oh man, it's a good thing. It's the season finale. We need a break, Callie. <laughs> no, but here's the thing. This is this is a hundred percent the cogent point, right? Yeah. Oh, and that's so yeah. yes, this 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 was people complained so much about this character they went, they're so cringe. I can't believe the cringe on the Ed character. And it's like, okay, first of all, what you're referring to is the fisheye lens. The fisheye yeah. lens is making you feel cringy and you need to recognize that it's an editing trick designed to actually do that. Yes. Sure. I mean you're getting you're getting the effect of everything that spike's been through in the last however many hours his perception is distorted everything is awful to him mm-hmm. everything's gonna sound loud everything's gonna be grating everything's gonna be painful but to Callie d's perfectly cogent point ed mostly annoyed me because ed reminded me of me when i was a kid the enthusiasm <laughs> the unbridled earnest energy of like 
uh, I confidently know that what I looked up must be correct because I looked it up. So even if you're the person and you say that's not correct, I know that I'm right because I am a kid and that's how kids are. And they have this confident, incorrect, awkward, weird, fun energy. And Eden perfectly captured that as Radical Edward. And I have to assume that the very next scene after this, the first scene of season two, is Spike making his prairie oyster spray <laughs> because he's trying to just get rid of this pain. I'm going like to take a complete be. left turn here. I was watching Peacemaker yesterday. <laughs> and did he Me make too. a prairie oyster in that episode? Do you know I, what so I'm that talking I'm not, about? I know what you're talking about, and I don't know if that was a prairie oyster so much it, as it was just... Actually, he may have. Hangover cure. But it was, yeah, like it was just a hangover cure. It. He, like put... he did. I think it was a prairie oyster, but it is specifically... I think you're supposed to make it... Whatever the alcoholic part of that is, I think is supposed to have been what you were drunk on the night prior. Okay. Um, okay. Not an alcoholic. Don't take my word for it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know. Ricky D, go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, I had some thoughts about Ed. Please. Uh, first time I finished this episode, I put into my notes, after about two minutes of Ed, I think I've had enough, honestly. Oh. But I've been going back and I've been thinking about it, and I like what Callie said. That character is supposed to be annoying. My issue is, while I loved Ed in the anime, I think the translation to live action would be really difficult, and it would turn a lot of people off just because... The anime version was a character, and this is like a real person acting in these outlandish ways. You mean like a real person being a character? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just, I don't think it would translate super well to live action the way it translated so well to anime. I don't disagree with you, but... I don't think they would have been as over the top. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I truly, truly honestly believe that it was the fisheye lens mm -hmm. because if you if you go back and watch that scene and you're looking at the scenes that are not shot in fisheye where it's kind of like it's almost ed's perspective and then spike's perspective yeah the scenes where it's not shot in fisheye it's just like this is just a loud little person like I, this is not i feel this like, doesn't cringe this doesn't hurt the same way that the fisheye does i feel like this last scene was also really over the top like because it was ed's introduction yes and so they had to yes. be over the top right i mean there were plenty of scenes in the anime where Ed was just sitting there on the computer. And there would have been plenty of scenes in the live action where Ed was just talking normal, like Ed speak, Fei Fei, blah, 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 you know, and and sitting on the computer. I don't I don't smoke, think smoke Fei Fei. I don't think Ed would have yeah. been, or should I say, I don't think Ed will be as cringy in the second season. Agreed. Because um, they just will most likely calm calm them down. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, things are definitely going to be dialed up a little bit for the character introduction. Right. Well, and beyond that, it's like it's the end of this this the season, mm -hmm. right? So there needs to be the cliffhanger yeah, moment. Yeah. Let's now, get our plot hook. Lest I be accused of not giving voice to our friend Sean in the live chat, he says, I'm with Ricky. Some characters don't translate well. Like a real-life Master Roshi would be hard to do. I agree with you that a real-life Master Roshi would be hard to do, but I don't think there are characters that don't translate well. I think that there are 
poor executions, which, again, I don't think this is. Now, Master Roshi would be hard to do because he's basically just a pervert, and there's not a lot of space for that on screen right now. There's, so. there's not really a or, lot of room for interpretation with uh, Roshi there. Yeah, there's no, like, but why, <laughs> right? Like, really delve into why Master Roshi likes to look at porn. Um, so, but I... <laughs> Our friend Callie says they would absolutely have to either tone Ed down for season two or make Ein soften Ed a little. But going by what they've done so far, I believe they would have made it work. And I think that that would be the key. I think that's a good point because the Ed and Ein combination is what we need, right? So to Ricky's point and to maybe Sean's point, if the Ed character feels cringy or annoying, what if you paired that energy with the Ein energy, which is just adorable, fluffy, and corgi-shaped, right? I mean, that's kind of the math of the original series. So I am personally not willing to pass judgment on this entire character or this performance based on one scene. Well said. I know that we only have one scene, but I'm not willing to count that as conclusive personally. Can I Um, ask, and how did no find I? I have to say really quickly, I will let you, I'll let you repeat that. Ricky D just said, well said to me. And I think that's the first time he's ever said that to me. Possibly. No, I always admit when you have a good point. (laughs) I thank you, Ricky. I'm sorry, Josh. Go ahead. I couldn't help. <laughs> you know what we forgot to do? We forgot to bring up that uh, that review. We'll have to do that later. Oh, we can we can bring it up later. I okay. if you want, we can talk about it literally at any point. But I I, know. I thank you for for reminding me. I did want uh, to ask, like, how did Ed and Ein come to be? Because, like, first of all, Jet was like alone on the ship and leaving so was ed in the ship when jet got in there and he was like you need to get out like could you imagine jet in that state of mind walking onto a ship and seeing ed in there i could almost guarantee that that's probably what happened (laughs) well but i think that that's why they didn't introduce ed to jet first they had ed go to spike because they were like We've already hit the emotional beats we need to with Jet. Right. We need to not, you know. Or did Ed just take Ayn? Did they just go in there and they're like, or did did they left they left Ayn behind a couple of episodes ago because of the the video going to find Pierrot. Yeah. So, so Ed. Oh, that's wrong. Okay. Yeah. Probably tracked down Ayn and used used Ayn to find Spike. Yeah. So, because we know that Ed is a hacker, right? Yep. And we know yep. that Ayn shoots video from its eyes. So, um, I mean, it's how freaking cool, though, is it that every question we come up with, we're like, oh, it's clearly this because they already wrote that. They already accounted for all of our questions, you guys. Like, this one season is pretty freaking tight of, of plot and television and all of this stuff. Like, it, it just is freaking tight. And, and using yes. the source material. the Like, yeah, yes. making it that tight, but also using as much source material and shot-for-shot shot source material that they did is incredible. Yeah. Like, they, they put a lot of love into this show. And speaking of a lot of love, I do have to admit, Ricky is 100% right. Any time that he feels a good point has been made, he does point it out. Ricky is potentially the most honest debater on the screen normally. Phil is here tonight, so that doesn't apply, but usually... Uh, I I, say, I learned from Ricky. Oh, that's bad. But Ricky's dedication to overall quality, I think, really makes him a voice that, if, if not a voice you can trust, at least a voice that you can uh, hear. 
So for us to doubt myself. <laughs> well, I mean, I I wouldn't go that far. Uh, but I I uh, our friend Rosie says I thought Ayn was left behind and had found him. Yes, I believe we all agree with that. And that was one of those things where when it happened, I feel like we all blocked it out, right? Because we remember that they left Ayn behind, but we're all like. Well, that can't be what happened because no one would do that. <laughs> and so <laughs> that was almost two whole episodes ago. Yeah. Oh man. Talk about the length of time between episodes, which we have mentioned before. This show should have been a weekly release. If I had seven days between episodes to browbeat my friends into watching this freaking television show, I swear I would have done so. <laughs> I mean, I think this podcast is enough proof in and of itself that I would have done that. <laughs> and it's, 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 I mean, part of me is strangely happy, right? Because I'm like, we get this, this, this one additional perfect little single season gem of a television show in much the way that Firefly fans did, right? But at what cost? I ask you. Just, I mean, we could have had so much. We could have had so much. I'm actually feeling sad now, you guys. Let's talk about Cowboy Bebop so that I can stop feeling sad. I would have loved to see the uh, the Ed finding their father scenario. Oh. I think that would have been like a season three kind of thing. You know, because yeah. obviously season two would have been Jet, Spike, and Faye all getting back together, finding Faye's oh, family, and, the... and then season three would have been going for Ed's family and then, you know. And one of our few shots on Earth in this series showed the meteors falling down like rain, just like in the episode where Ed is looking for their father. And I just, ah, it was, I can't, yeah, I, I was, I was, I, I want so much more from this, um, but I feel like we got so much to be grateful for. And I really am happy that we did get what we got. I, I think we got more than we ever should have expected. Hundred percent agree from a Cowboy Bebop adaptation. Mm-hmm. I mean, considering some of the other adaptations, not just anime, but like video game adaptations and comic book Most adaptations, yeah. and oh, yeah. like there, there's a lot of good things out there, but there's a lot of shit out there. And this was okay. This was really a really good and well put together adaptation. That's a brilliant point, Josh. Let's live what? chat. What? Wait. What's... Say that again. <laughs> live chat. No. What's the no, no, no. worst Go back. A adaptation? Little bit a little bit back. Uh, that's a brilliant point, Josh. Holy shit. Live chat. What's the worst adaptation of a thing you've ever seen? Last Airbender. I just. Oh man, and I I can't speak on that because I haven't seen either half. But I know there are a lot of people that would agree with that take. Josh, what do you have? Oh man, let me. Mm, probably Tomb Raider. Uh, oh, that uh, was, that was eh, the eh. the 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 Jolie or the uh, Alicia Vikander. The Jolie. I mean, like, what is there to adapt? <laughs> yeah, I get that. That's it. That's what it is. It's like why? There was no the, reason. The, to the, the the Jolie version gave us very early Daniel I mean, Craig. Mm-hmm. I guess I don't know. I would I, see. I'd, I'd go to comic book stuff. I'd go Fantastic Four. I'd go Catwoman. Um, mm. I would go anything along those lines. Aragon. Here's the thing. Daredevil. The thing about Affleck, like, oh man, Aragon like killed the book series too. Didn't no, it? no, <laughs> Did, like, no. Oh, okay. They, I'm glad they that, that finished ended out. Up doing uh, four books out of that instead of three. Oh wow! Because mm. uh, the the third book got so long his editors made him split it into two 
Mm. Oh, very yeah. cool. I remember reading the first book and going, this would make an excellent movie. Ah, The um, Hobbit, the whole Hobbit series movie. was not the yeah. best live action adaptation either. Oh, okay. I was going to say the animated one. Yeah, the animated one. We, we do not mock the Bakshi like, animated Hobbit. No, 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 no. But that, that excellent. <laughs> Sean, that? excellent point. Super Mario Brothers. You bite your tongue, Sean. That's like <laughs> one of my favorite movies. Because it's so bad. Okay. Like, I love that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but that hits so bad it's good territory. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. But here's the thing, you guys. They took a frigging swing <laughs> with Super Mario Brothers, right? They went, okay, this is never going to work. Let's just do Have whatever. Have you ever like, seen like the production hell that they went through with that movie? Oh, it was so bad. Was <laughs> so, I haven't. So Let bad. me... <laughs> Let me. Those directors just, were garbage. Sean seems very riled up in the chat. I, I just, <laughs> I just want to point out that one of Sean's favorite movies is Waterworld. So take everything that he says with an ocean-sized grain of salt. Just throwing it out there. I couldn't help myself, Sean. You know I respect you. I, I, mean, I like Costner. Think I should but... take. I think I should take this opportunity to tell folks if you haven't recently, please go check out Cheap Seat Reviews. The podcast that reviews the Hollywood film industry for the greater good. That is where our friend Sean in the live chat hails from. He and his friends Sam and Andrew cover streaming movies weekly. They are pushing 400 episodes, you guys. That is, first of all, insane. Like, I'm 90% sure... Yeah, I'm pretty sure Ricky D and Josh will leave me way before we hit 400 episodes. And... I don't know, man. And... (laughs) (laughs) Sean is one of the uh, uh, first independent podcasting friends that we made here at Sudden Indeed. But Inevitable. Indeed. We, uh, As we have spoken about, about before, we have a group of friends that make shows together, but Sean is one of the first uh, uh, real people outside of our group of friends that we met that had their own podcast, and he graciously shared some of his audience with us. He's allowed everyone here to be on his show, and we have had nothing but fun with the Cheap Seat Review guys, and we've had Sean here multiple times, and we will be having Sean back and I was wondering when you were going to cash in that advertising check. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wanted to pop in with some of the bad movie adaptation oh, yes. media changes. Yes, go Ricky. Uh, one of which, I don't know if anybody's going to feel as strongly as me, maybe Phil, the Dark Tower movie. Mm. Oh. What a disaster. I never even okay. watched it. I loved the casting. Idris Elba as Roland and Matthew McConaughey as the man in black. Holy shit. But they were also trying to take seven, eight, eight books and distill it down. Like 4,000 pages. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it needed to be needed to be a series. I love the Dark Tower books, though. Those, those are one of the few Stephen King books that I'll still fight for. It needed to be a series, not a, not a single film. I was wondering about that because the Dark Tower was so long. Uh, it's How so they... good. I mean, but so how good. could they have done one movie? Like you, you, you can't. I mean, cash grab. Yeah. You could, you could realistically get the events of the gunslinger and maybe, maybe parts of the drawing of the three into into one movie. Is that two books? Yeah, first two books. Yeah, okay. first two. They got longer as they went on. I will cop to the fact that I have never read the Dark Tower series. I, I have a question. Because I have heard some stuff about it. I haven't heard, I've not like read an article or anything, but I have heard it spoken of. I was the other day thinking like, man, space cowboys are so freaking cool. And then I went, 
has anybody done Time Cowboys? And then I went, oh, wait, is that Dark Tower? No. But I don't know because I haven't read it. No. So, is so, it? <laughs> so Dark Tower is basically descendants of King Arthur who use, who, you know, in the one in particular uses a pair of revolvers that were forged from the metal from Excalibur. You know, the, the guns were okay, made from cool. Excalibur. Yeah, and, got... and he got his hands cut off at the end of the second book. The super gunslinger got his hands cut off. <laughs> Holy crap. He gets he gets several fingers maimed or bitten off completely. <laughs> yes. Uh, but then he switches from his dual gun style to a single, and he starts training other people to follow alongside mm -hmm. him. So I can dig that, but going back to my original comment, can we please make a Time Cowboys series? Because I think that's the next big thing. Like, I love Space Cowboys, right? But Space Cowboys, Space Cowboys cannot last more than one season on television for some reason. <laughs> so I think the key is Time Cowboys, you guys. I'm just, I think there's something there. I'm not even joking. Wasn't Daniel? So if I can throw out like one that? more thing. Go ahead, Ricky. I. <laughs> uh, Anything Yui Bowl has made, uh. <laughs> he makes awful. He makes bad video games into awful oh, movies. Blood Rain. Now, Blood Rain. No, now, hey, was hey, a movie. <laughs> hey, hey, the first Blood Rain game was a lot of fun, and all that's where I'll leave that. <laughs> all right. So, uh, <laughs> let's get back to Cowboy Bebop, you guys. I feel like this has been a bit of a digression here. Uh, so, oh, Josh, did you did you have another terrible adaptation that you wanted to mention? Okay. Um, so, yeah, I just, I, I, I feel like most of the complaints for this show should just go check those things out. Like, go watch Netflix's Death Note. Go watch Avatar The Last Airbender live action. Don't, go watch, don't look up Uwe no, Bowles. <laughs> go watch Uwe Bowles movies. Like, seriously, it just, if you think this is bad, go watch actual crap and see how good this really is. Yeah. I implore you, please, if there's a thing I could make you do, it would be this. Perspective. Thing. Seriously. Perspective is so important. Oh, Rosie. Rosie, you guys, add this to the list. Time ninjas. Quick, Josh, write that one now, down. Obviously we can't do we can't do time ninjas versus time cowboys, because that's too obvious. But why not? We could do could a do group of time cowboys cinema. that has a <laughs> all right back to the good yes board. and josh <laughs> yeah i guess <laughs> um the production team of bailey and madsen hasn't yet come up with a movie but we don't know why so this episode you guys we we have all of the emotional stuff going on with faye she knows that she has a chance to go find her family jet has a chance to lose his family here spike has a chance to lose his family here both halves of his family, everyone he's ever known in one fell swoop. Which I think really hit home for him during that standoff, by the way. Oh, yeah. When he, like, you could literally see it on everyone he cares about is pointing guns at each other. I mean, mm -hmm. There was a desperation when he asked them to please not shoot each other. Yeah. It was like, everybody is, is with me. Like, just everybody calm down. It's okay. Please, let's not all die. Right? Like, so... Everybody is parting ways here. This is a you know this is a movie thing. The parting of the ways, the the breaking, the breaking of, the of the fellowship. I have exactly. that in my notes. <laughs> so it's oh wow. So it's it's just like a nerd a moment of of setup from the from the family the torn fellowship. asunder. Oh right, God. right, fucking there. 
<laughs> it's 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 the show's continued reliance on tropes without using them as a crutch, right? The show knows that its DNA comes from tropes and it accepts that and it's fully willing to swim in those waters masterfully, as I might add. But yeah, I just if there's anything that you guys feel like we have to talk about from this episode before we get to our weekly segments for the last time for this series, let's start going around the screen now. Josh, I'm going to start with you because uh, I've known you the longest. <laughs> uh, I don't I don't have much, actually. Um, I, I feel like we covered everything. I, I really wanted to talk about Ed, um, but but we got into that, obviously. Yes, I did, Callie. I did just call other people nerds. Um, nerds are allowed to do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Uh, Will Wheaton on his uh, Star Trek after show called The Ready Room literally starts every episode with, hey, nerds. And it's like, you know, the wrong audience might not appreciate that, man. But it's a Star Trek the, show, so he's the fine. The actual nerdy audience would be like, <laughs> hey, <laughs> yeah, it's, hey, I don't really it's fine. I don't like that. <laughs> if Wesley we just, uh... Crusher cannot call other people a nerd, then no one can. Oh, oh, I know what I wanted to bring up. I'm sorry. Has no one earned it? <laughs> go ahead, Josh. Sorry. Because I can't go one single episode without doing it. But did anybody else get the Star Wars vibes? The episode three vibes? The how about my new empire vibes mm. uh, with Julia and, and Vicious? I got I've got more of a. You were my brother, Anakin. Yeah, I, I, sure, I can take ambitious. that too. Whatever, but I, like, when I, I watched that scene four times because I watched, you know, you know Josh doesn't want to be out Star Wars. Did did <laughs> no, like that's that's very fair. But like, I feel like that was the one that got me the most because I was like, oh my god, did Julia just turn into Vader? <laughs> I had a brief moment where I knew that the slash fic writers were going to be going absolutely wild. Okay. Uh, because there is a line that Vicious delivers in the, uh, in the church as, uh, you know, Spike is tied to a column. And Vicious says, ever since I learned you were alive, all I could think of was putting you in that empty hole. And I just... <laughs> in my soul, Phil, the empty hole in my soul. It's shaped like a brother that I never had growing up. Yes, but you're not wrong. <laughs> no, no, he literally meant the he literally meant the crypt with his name on it. But yes, I yes, but <laughs> layers like nachos. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I I actually have it written down of like go slash fic writers go. <laughs> oh, seriously, yeah, I that's a hundred percent. Now. Our friend Angelus does bring up an excellent moment, unless it's already been mentioned, which I promise you it hasn't. Who else lost their marbles when Faye turned up in the jump ship? Guns blazing. I, oh yeah, I forgot about it. Like, because this obviously this is the second time watching. Um, but I totally forgot. I was like, how did they get out of this? Oh, <laughs> it, it also made me kind of sad uh, because we get so many fun scenes throughout the series with both the swordfish and the red tail, but we never see the hammerhead. We never see Jet's personal zip craft because he's always just flying around in the bebop itself. Now, 
I assume that in season two, since Jed is now working alone, mm-hmm. he would <laughs> set the Bebop adrift as bait and use the hammerhead in a very cool surprise attack maneuver that we'll never get to see, but I'm not bitter about it. But that is an excellent <sighs> point, Phil. Now, I got to say, this moment is, this is the physical version of Faye swallowing her pride and her knowledge and saying, let's go get Spike. Yeah. Right? This is her going, I already told him I don't agree, but you know what? The right thing to do is to keep your family together. And if keeping your family together means just emptying yards and yards of ammunition belts through rotating (laughs) cannons at syndicate assassins through the wall of a brick church, then that's what that means, and you got to do it. And oh my God, is that one of my favorite scenes in the entire freaking series? Are you kidding me? And Sinisera got here just in time. Oh, Steve, I'm so happy that you're here to share this with us. We postulated earlier that this episode might be your favorite Vicious episode for reasons, etc. But right now we're talking about Faye showing up in the red tail, guns a-blazing, screaming, laughing maniacally. (laughs) I mean, seriously, the moment that she's got, she's looking through these walls, just wasting people left and right. And you're like, every time the camera cuts... You're going, oh, she's about to run out of ammo. <laughs> nope. It's just that she's about to follow the next set of guys down the next set of pews and waste them all. I love the, it, it was, the red predator stuff going on there, too. It was such an overly, like, an unnecessarily long sequence of her just yeah. tearing through those guys, and I loved it. And there was a firefight! <laughs> it was just one guy with six guns. <laughs> so good. And... Yeah. I mean, up to this point, yes, we've despised Vicious, right? He's been despisable. He's the beneficiary of nepotism. He's daddy's perfect little syndicate angel. But in this moment, he becomes evil, right? We need him dead. Like, I want Vicious dead in this scene, much the way I did in the anime. I just, you you, you put a child in the scene anywhere and then you make that child's parent look at them while you tell them you're going to kill them both. Like I'm done with this character, kill this character. I am no longer have any sort of sympathy for him, which I think is a, a, a well-crafted character because up to this point, I'm like, yeah, vicious is a dick, but like he's had really difficult, like, you know, circumstances and expectations and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, it's kind of understandable if you were crazy and your wife cheated on you and you might do this thing. But now it's like, no, I'm done with this guy. I want him gone. Let's kill him. And, of course, I don't quite get my moment of satisfaction because Julia decides I'm going to make you live through the fear that I lived through every day, wondering, is this the day that he kills me for no reason or for a stupid reason? Or, you know, is this my last day alive? I'm going to make him live through that. And that, to me, is what makes this version of Julia so much better. And this version of Vicious, I don't know if it's better, but I still love this version of Vicious. Yeah, I I really do. Uh, What else do you guys have, Josh? I I know that that was your first one. Ricky, what have you got? Yeah, uh, I wanted to see, did anybody else notice when Spike took a bullet in the back for Mm -hmm. Kimmy? Yes. That, I really loved that scene because, I mean, Spike is, he already has his relationship set with Jet. He knows their family. He knows he loves him. But Jet has been going back and forth this entire episode going, 
Do I trust Spike? Can I have Spike on my ship? Uh, who is this guy that I think I know? And that moment when Spike is carrying Kimmy and he turns around and just takes a bullet to the back without even really flinching, I think that really solidified him and Jet getting having that brotherly, that uh, that partnership relationship again. Yeah. Mm. After that, Jet still tells him, like, sorry, I dude. I see you, I'll kill like, you. You can go. Yeah, like yeah. I'm still done with you, but it's... yeah, but he gets he gets the the knife twisting of Kimmy calling Chalmers daddy, mm. right? Yeah, in between those two events, you know, and and he doesn't kill Spike to be, you know, I guess 100 percent fair. He's not like, no, I'm still gonna kill you. He does. He goes, okay, now at least I owe you that, right? I I at least appreciate that enough to not kill you for it. I think Spike would end up saving Jet again. It'd be Spike and Ed coming in to save Jet yeah. from something, and then Jet would be like, ah, oh, damn it, you. But <laughs> but Ricky's right. He totally beasted it. He was just like, oh, dang, and then just kept going. Yeah. <laughs> it was very satisfying. He's like he just made a little uh, grunt. He's like, oh, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and and Rosie said uh, I thought he was evil when he killed his dad. And our friend Angelus points out those were some effed up parental relationships. <laughs> so it's, I mean, it is fair. Um, it's it's, I, I I feel like vicious, like we've said, you know, he comes into the vicious that we know in this episode, um, but doesn't get to stay there for very long. Uh, Ricky D, did you have any other scenes before we get to our segments for the week that you would like to speak on? I think I am good to go. My friend Phil, the Cowboy Bebop super fan, have you got anything you'd like to cover before we get to this week's segments? Uh, I have... Shit, hang on. I would like to cover that review. <laughs> oh, um, yes, we'll do that first uh, before we get there. We get the bit of, uh, of Vicious uh, also bandaged and very much mirroring the bandages Spike was wearing earlier. Mm. Uh, I loved that. Uh, but probably like back to the whole um, recreation of the uh, Ballad of Fallen Angels fight sequence. Mm. Uh, I loved the the sword going through and splitting the chair. And it's like, hey, look, suddenly this chair has become Tonfa. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was a little disappointed that he tossed one aside and just fought with one yeah. plus the open hand instead of the pair of them. But that's that's just like the yeah, soul I mean, caliber geek that was, in me. That was like a <laughs> complaint of mine because I was like, the sword just cut through that chair and you're going to pick up the... Just not gonna He's deflecting. Deflect. <laughs> Come on, man. Ricky D, the Tonfa master, is trying to illustrate to you exactly how that works. I think he was pretty accurate. I, yep. <laughs> it was... It was just a fun excuse to let John Cho play with a tonfa, but you know, it yeah, but it it is. I shall fight my tonfa. It was. <laughs> I did love the fight. It has that sort of matrix, sort of equilibrium, sort of just. It's very John. You know, Wu. The gun versus sword. It's yeah, very John, John Wu, Wu, exactly. Which I mean, the yeah. anime and, always was the the, right. the anime always was the the doves fly. The, you know, <laughs> it, well, and you know, the. Well, I guess it's not this episode, but the other scene that we got where Vicious takes off the hollow mask yeah. felt very John Woo yeah. to me, and it just yeah. Uh, I I gotta say those are those are excellent excellent scenes. Have you got anything else that you would like to bring up, my friend? I think that's about it for me. Uh, other than like I was sitting here thinking, I would where is the swordfish right now? Too, 
because it's still at yeah. Earthland, theoretically. It could be. It could or, be or in the bebop. It, or I mean, Gren may have towed it. There's I well, we'll and, and that's actually two, a good point. We? They didn't. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I, I it could be that Gren was told, "Hey, get rid of this ship or something." So that they yeah, can't ditch find it so him. it can't be tracked. We, yeah, we know it's, it's possible. We know there's at least one additional set of tracking systems existing on the swordfish. At least. All right, you guys, before we get into this week's segment, <laughs> Josh has been referring to a new review that we got. And as you know, we like to read our reviews here at Sudden But Inevitable. This person did not, surprisingly, leave a name with their review. And I don't remember it word for word. Josh, do you, would you like to read it out loud and oh. then I will take over? Oh, no, I don't have it with me. I thought you had it in front of you. I could pull it oh, up okay. really fast. I don't, it's an but iTunes I can, review, right? It is an iTunes review. Yeah. Yeah. Give me and, one second here. Okay, this uh, it's a one star. Woo! We made it, guys. We got a one star. Uh, Our other one was two. <laughs> well, yeah. Now we've really made it. So uh, this guy's name is Obnoxious. Um, the title of the comment is ST0000P. I'm assuming that means stop. stop. Oh, stoop. <laughs> <laughs> what are you just sitting on a stoop over there? Um, so he, he writes, God, I wish I had some music for this, like some, some background piano music. We'll, we'll put it in in post. He writes, Jesse's narcissism is ins- insufferable. Even his co-hosts seem annoyed with his forced persona that he believes is likable. So, <laughs> two things. I have been very open that my narcissism is the driving force behind Sudden But Inevitable. Without my narcissism, this show wouldn't exist. If I didn't simply need for Josh to have seen Firefly to be able to talk about space westerns with him, then we wouldn't be here. Which it sounds like you'd be okay with. But I have to ask, which thing is it? Do I think it's likable or am I a narcissist? Because if I'm a narcissist, I don't care if it's likable. Like, that's sort of contradictory. Now, that having been said, I think it's fair to ask, Josh and Ricky, do you hate me? And would you like to leave the show? This is your opportunity. No hard feelings. I don't want to make you feel pressure. Right at the end of a season is perfect timing, honestly. <laughs> I know. That's why I'm putting it here. I could have done Look this at him last thinking. week. Man, I've been friends with you for 26 years. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think, uh, I don't think one little tiny podcast is gonna change anything. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck? No, I'll stay. He said reluctantly. I feel we had to give the opportunity because I don't want that reviewer to feel like I am. I am holding you two against your will. <laughs> My word, what an angry individual. Are you okay? My Just, word. Wow. <laughs> I, I, but again, yeah, get you some narcissism. It's the way to go. It helps you deflect things like this, like that. And it is no problem whatsoever. Speaking of things that are no problem whatsoever, we're going to move into our first segment for this week, which of course is Shot of the Show. Shot of the show, as you know, is where we share our favorite visual moments from this week's episode, those moments that now live rent-free in our heads, despite our best efforts. Of course, as we try to do whenever there is a guest sitting in the chair, Phil, if you don't mind, let's talk about your shot first. Josh, give us the time code, and Phil, walk us through it. Phil's comes at 10 minutes and 58 seconds. It is pa-pam. 
Uh-oh, Phil's muted. Oh. Um, I do want to say that we should photo we should Photoshop Cam's face onto that, by the way. I don't even need to. He pulled off the exact pose. You're right. You're right. <laughs> but go ahead, Phil. So this is Gren at the bar as uh as Spike and or as Jet and Faye are coming in to attempt to rescue Spike. And you know, Gren just you know, have we've seen them be the one saying, hey, we can't do, you know, we can't have weapons in here. We can't have, you know, anything. And the first thing that happens as soon as there's a threat, they pull two pistols and just unhesitatingly aim at each person coming in and threatening them. And it's just spectacular with the lighting in the bar, everything about their outfit, which is very, very Klaus Nomi. Uh, <laughs> and looks like possibly the most comfortable shirt i've ever seen in my uh, life yeah no that that just looks spectacular i would wear the shit out of that <laughs> i don't think jerry seinfeld would be happy about wearing that shirt <laughs> it is not that puffy of a shirt ricky d from best flicks with ricky d it's more it's more of the the wizard sleeves sort of a shirt <laughs> no it, it is just a fantastic fantastic scene and I know we've we've seen iterations of it throughout because it's in the opening sequence, but getting to see where that bit actually came from is awesome. Yes, and the payoff of seeing it 10 times before this and going, where's that shot? And then finally seeing it, yes, I 100% agree with you. Callie, we forgive you. It's totally cool. It's fine. We know that you're a true SBI fan. We're not worried about that at all. Sean, our friend Sean, really quick, says he had pretty good hate mail, too. Their first hate mail was pretty good, so he was proud of that. (laughs) Thank you, Sean. I feel like we have joined the community now. We are brothers! Go ahead, Phil. Uh, And and Sinisera, to to answer, uh, tequila kind of uh, uh, mezcal, so like smoky tequila. I can dig that. Speaking of things that I can probably dig... Josh, if you don't mind, give me Ricky D's time code, and then Ricky D, walk me through your shot. Ricky's comes at the 15 minute and 35 second mark. Yeah, this is when they're all kind of leaving the alley. Uh, Spike, I believe, has been dumped into the trunk, uh, and Faye is kind of walking away, and they're kind of mo- going their own ways, although we know they're going to come back. But what really struck me was the purple ambiance yeah. in this. You know, if it's red you know they're going into danger. If it's green, you know there's something good coming. If it's blue, you think tranquility. Yellow or orange, you're thinking something good's going to happen. But purple, purple leaves me with this feeling of, I don't know what's going to happen. It's just grungy. And I really liked, I really liked the way that left me feeling. It is really ambiguous lighting. And that is fantastic. That's awesome breakdown. Yeah. putting that uh it's like putting a, that color theory to work man that's good i was gonna say it's like a color out of space yeah. has splashed across yeah. I, was yeah. I think that one was um, kind of described as a weird yellow but i mean that's i but, but in the movie it was represented as like a pinkish sort of i mean kind of like the color behind me right like it was sort of i anyways i just wanted you to know that i knew what that was phil i thought that, that was a description <laughs> um, i actually had a conversation with a friend the other i was facetiming with a friend 
and I was in the car FaceTiming. I, look, I don't judge me. My phone is on a handle and they whatever. But anyway, I'm FaceTiming. He didn't say he was driving. So, but I was behind a car at a stoplight. <laughs> and, uh, Damn it. And, and the car in front of me had really bright red lights. And so looking into my phone, I could see my, like me a little bit. And like my whole screen was red. And like I got really bad firefly fat flashbacks really bad wash flashbacks where like the whole cockpit's <laughs> red and i was like i need to get away from this car because i feel like i'm gonna get a spear chucked in through my window and i just i, I was reminded of that by all those color uh descriptions you had ricky so quick very, very quick good Josh. very good for Josh. sure how do reavers what how do reavers clean their spears through the wash people are gonna do this to you <laughs> for the rest of your life josh and you know what my narcissistic ass is really proud of that that's so, cool i'm really annoyed uh, that you're proud our friend sincera so. our friend sincera in the chat says ever notice the matrix has a green undertone possibly designed to create good feeling among the human batteries i always read the green undertone to meant that we're looking into an artificial screen a la the apple 2e computer the coding that we see at the start but I feel like it's easily interpreted as more than one thing. Now, to Ricky's point, in that last shot, if you could bring it back up, Josh, the purple in there not only is very nebulous and just like what is happening, but if you look where Jet is, he's got more of the earthen tones going on, which has fit his color palette this whole series and in the original, of course. Uh-oh, Sincera had a slight stroke. Why you got to do that to the Firefly fans in the chat, man? Sean says, too soon. I'm sure Rosie has just left at this point because she's probably furious with you. Every time I've seen her see that joke on the internet, she, like, gets mad. So, and fully understandable. And Rosie, I back you up 100%. I make that joke because it upsets me. The other thing about it is that not only do these earthen tones match Jet's color palette, but purple. That's the color we most strongly associate with Faye, right? I mean, that's mm -hmm. a little bit less intelligent than Ricky's interpretation, but Faye, purple! Now, Josh, if you don't mind, give us your time code and bring up your shot of the show for this week. Oh, man. So my time code is at the 45-minute mark, and of course, uh, I had oh, to yeah. pick that one. Because it's, and I, yeah. it took me a minute to get this actual shot where her face is all like crazy, you know, and doing the spooky exactly. thing that, that, that they do. Like, I, <clears throat> but not fisheye. This is one of the regular lenses. Right. But it's, so this is one of the shots where you go, oh, look, it's just it's a, a person. Dutch camera angle still <laughs> with, you know, iron on the yep. side over there. And this is also the only shot with iron in it. So. That's, that one was for you, Ricky. From this episode. It still passes the Barkdale test. It does, just yes. barely. <laughs> um, either way, I mean, I, I was so stoked like at the very end of this, because we I binged this when it first came out, and, and right at the end, and I see mm -hmm. Ed, and I'm like, oh my god, I cannot wait for season two! And then a week later, I was like, ugh, ugh, ugh. So I, and to yeah. Ricky's point from the previous image, we got a green bathed light here going, everything is going to be okay. It's a new beginning. Spike is going to live through this again. I think you also brought up on Twitter this week that uh, Ricky brought up that Spike's syndicate name should have been indestructible. <laughs> yeah. Not fearless. No doubt. <laughs> so I, and yes, I, I think if you look at it, this is the example that, sh that proves this character could have worked if people weren't, such jerks so yeah <laughs> josh if you don't mind give us my time code and my shot for this week my friend 
So yours is at the 26 minute and 39 second mark, and it's uh, pow! pure, unadulterated joy. Faye is having one of those moments where you get to take out all of your pain and frustration and anger over everything that has happened to you on people that very, very likely deserve it. Like 99% probably deserve it. And she is unloading in this scene. And I gotta say, I was giddy. I laughed out loud. I almost woke my wife when I was watching this the other night. Her tongue in that scene, as our friend Callie points out, her la- or her laughter in that scene, as Callie points out, to me, her tongue, the way that she's got the laughing going, you can see the insane ripple where she's trying to hold everything in. She says, welcome to the ouch when she's killing everybody. It's like, I- Faye is so pure in so many ways and this scene for me is the expression of that this is a perfect distillation of live action Faye Valentine Daniela Pineda the world is forever in your debt for this performance and we do not deserve your season two but I will keep asking for it probably endlessly so um get ready for that (laughs) All right. Rosie says she is still here. She's not furious, but she did live through Wash's death in 2004 during a screen test, so it still hurts. Uh, Sin Sarah says, I love Hitman. No no matter what you do to them, you never feel bad. Our friend Mar from Sin City reminds us. (laughs) Yes. um, Yeah, yeah. Rosie. Wow. During the screen test. So Rosie was one of the people that almost said, nope, this is not how you should make this movie. And like to not even (laughs) be able to talk about it after the screen test. Mm. Oh, yeah, that had to be like you have to go home and hold okay, that guys. in like just oh. before everyone starts crying. Shower. Let's move into Burning our next segment, which, of course, is called No Finer One Liner. No Finer One Liner, of course, is coming up right after we share our friend Angelus from the chat's pick for shot of the show, which he managed to get into Josh at the start of the show this week. Josh, what is the time code? It's at the 19 minute and one second mark. Well, it's the, the split screen that Ricky had mentioned earlier where it feels very comic book, very animation. You've got two things happening at the same time here. Hand on a gun and one key opening the trunk. And yep. excellent, excellent choice as always, Angelus. And thank you for participating. We appreciate you being here and for getting your picks in every week. Now, as I was mentioning, we are going to talk about No Finer One Liner, which of course is where we talk about our favorite dialogue from this week's episode. Phil, why don't you keep that going? Josh, play Phil's clip and then we'll have Phil walk us right through it. And everyone fancied you, the angel standing at your side i'm the devil yeah uh i think that is probably the best bit encapsulating the entire relationship between spike and vicious in the live action version of this thing uh it you know we get a little bit of a touch on uh vicious's whole bit from the anime about uh angels falling and becoming devils we get you know uh, all the throwbacks to ballad of fallen angels we get just the whole idea that you know everyone thought you were so perfect you know 
like, well, yeah, I was next to you. <laughs> Look at the what's our comparison here? You get that Vicious actually, truly is delusional. Yeah. He goes, I'm the devil? Uh, I'm the bad guy? I'm the villain of this whole thing? He honestly believes that he is the good guy of his own story, just as everyone does, right? But it's to see him actually be confronted with that is kind of like, oh, man, that's probably how somebody in that situation would act. They'd be like, I'm, what do you mean I'm the bad guy? Like, I know that's how I would act if somebody said I was the bad guy and say, I don't know, like a podcast review or something. <laughs> but I, I got to say, I loved the emotion between these two, right? Because it is, it is a, it's so familial. Like and they really just do the, feel like brothers. The whisper from yeah. Spike, the whispered response. Because he doesn't want to hurt Vicious, even though he knows Vicious totally deserves it. Because they're still, they still care about each other, even though they're like, at gunpoint, basically, or sword point, you know? So, yeah, man, excellent, excellent choice. Josh, go ahead with Ricky D's clip, my friend. Glad to see you're still kicking. <sighs> hey, whatever happened to that unkillable super assassin? Um, yeah, I killed him. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, this was, you know, we always love it when Spike's being super cool, and this is an excellent example you know, uh, earlier when Faye just walked in, she goes, oh, I thought you were dead. And Spike goes, yeah, I get that. I get that a lot. And yeah, it's just <laughs> such an excellent example of Spike and how he deals with the expectations of his death. And he's just he's over it. He's like, yeah, I, I'm people think I'm dead, but I'm not. I killed the unkillable guy. What are we doing next? And, you know, little do they all know. Spike is actually the unkillable super assassin yeah. in the room at any given moment, right? Yep. I but yeah, the 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 snark. I mean that that feels like Firefly to me, not in like a this was ripped off, but in like a that's the speed and the pacing and the tone like that's fun. That's Space Cowboys to me and I love it. Josh, go ahead and give us your clip, my friend. Is this an open bar by chance? Well, you're a fun one, aren't you? The fucking funnest. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> this has to be the next chapter in Faye's, you know, journey. <laughs> like, it has to be, right? Because Faye has only very recently had her sexual awakening, and she wants to sample the entire buffet before settling on a main well, dish. I've, I've said that before. <laughs> I've definitely said that at a bar before. Like, gone in and been like... So it said something snarky and they're like, oh, well, you're fun. And I go, oh, the funnest. Like, <laughs> I've definitely been there. I've, I've <laughs> probably been there recently and probably will be there soon again. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just uh, I, I love that interaction. And it really makes me want a spinoff series with these two. I mean, come on, man. Mm. Just just their little yeah. just that one interaction between them makes me believe in my heart of hearts that they would get a second season <laughs> um to our friend angelus in the chat's point i feel that Faye is in 99 percent of the shots and one-liners we should actually go do that math because right i don't now. think he, he's probably not that far off no i mean like over the course of the series even <laughs> I like i think right if we now. were to oh because you have the you guys new thing at sudden but inevitable this season we have a spreadsheet with information on it i know it's very new, very different. It's the edge of professional independent podcasting. Josh, while you bring that sheet up, if you wouldn't mind playing my clip for this week's 
No finer one-liner. I think I might know where I grew up. Can it keep? Because I need you on this. Spike needs you on this. Once we get him back, we can help you track your shit down. All of it. We'll figure it out. Together. Let's go get Spike. You can hear that one instant of hesitation there. And then she draws in a breath and says, let's go get Spike. That's the kind of resignation that you have when you're dealing with family. You are trying to do the right thing. You're trying to be a great man. Oh, well, a good man. An all right man. Uh, pr- pretty good. So <laughs> this, um, all right. I mean, this is, the, this is the most emotion that we get between these two ever, right? And... I just I had to I had to illustrate it because I feel like so much comes across just in the vocal part of her performance there that really makes you feel for her and and I mean we have evidence we got you know 13 14 episodes of evidence that Josh and Ricky were able to get through the whole original anime and kind of not care about her backstory till the one episode where it was kind of tear jerky but it was like up until then they're like eh Faye, you know and we kind of had the opposite experience this season I think so that really speaks again to the strength of the Daniela Pineda's performance. I, I can't stop talking about it. And I probably never will. Um, our friend Rosie says it makes her sad because it didn't happen. They didn't do it together. And I agree real quickly. Our friend Sincera says, well, wait a minute. Faye didn't say she was a virgin until Mel, the mechanic. She just hadn't had an orgasm. And that's true. And I didn't say that she was a virgin. I'm just saying that she now is much more open in her sexual life based on the articles that we saw her reading, shout out to Cameron from Green Shirt, a newbie's trek through the next generation. Go ahead, Josh. What do you got? You're muted. Son of a... <laughs> so I just worked really hard to figure this out. And um, so I'm going to give you the top three picks. I, I actually didn't make a video of this. I can't believe I messed that up. Excuse me. Number one on top like pick person, Spike, mm. hands down. Spike has more mm. picks from us and guests throughout this whole series than any anybody else. Number two would be Faye. Number three would be Vicious. Oh wow. Not Jet, huh? Yeah. From what I can tell. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a lot more vicious than there's Jet. I just went through every single screenshot that we that we had and just kind of did a mental count. But we definitely have way more Spike than Faye. <laughs> Our friend Steve in the chat is running into a frustrating thing where Sean will not nerd argue with you almost over anything. And yes, I agree. It can be very frustrating, Steve. Thank you for bringing that up. (laughs) Now, gentlemen, we do generally assign a rating to these episodes, and then we do some quick math, and then we get out of here. We're going to extend that just a little bit this evening because it is the end of a season. But let's go ahead and start with those ratings anyway, and let's stick with the rotation. Phil, my friend... What do you give this episode of Cowboy Bebop out of 10? I had to give this one a 10 out of 10. Um, even even if I hadn't known going into it that this was going to be the end, you know, that there was not, you know, plans for a continuation. The dialogue, the the sequences, the the cinematography of everything, the the absolute shot for shot, line for line, nailing, of some of those sequences it was it was just it was everything that i think the fans i think it's everything the fans needed from a live action cowboy bebop adaptation all contained within this one episode i gotta agree with you 100 percent. i think that if if 
you are a fan of the original series and you don't like this episode, I'm not going to say that you don't know how to watch TV, but what I will say is like, what are you doing? Like, do you just not want to be happy? Please, let's talk about it. Josh, what do you have out of 10 this week, my friend? I'm doing a 10 um, because it's the most, the, the best choreograph in a fight scene, chore, choreography in a fight scene. Um, it's, you know, a knight, a, a sword versus a gun um, in like the most ridiculous way possible. There's like every character that you like is in this. Gren, Anna, Jet, Spike, Faye. Ed, Ein, Vicious, Julia, like they're all in this. I, you know, it, it definitely. Uh, this this episode encapsulates the the whole series. And if if I was gonna show show someone one episode or two episodes, it would be probably the last two episodes, nine and ten, because it, you know, it does a good job with a backstory and then a good job with the ending to it. You know. It does, to your point. It's If you watch just those two episodes, you'd get like 80% of the story, I mm-hmm. think. I mean, of, of the of the pertinent story, I think you would miss out on a ton of really great stuff. Oh, absolutely. Stuff, but if, if you, if someone's like, I'll watch two episodes of this show, you know, give me the two episodes, right. it would be those two. Yeah, you've got two hours to hook mm-hmm. me. All right, so Ricky D, no pressure. What do you got, my friend? I'm going to keep it up. 10 out of 10. I went into this episode thinking we have a lot to wrap up in the next 40 minutes. There's a lot of storylines we got to go through here. And I was not disappointed in any of it. I'm going 10 out of 10. All right. Well, I guess that I'm going to have to be the one. No, I'm just kidding. I'm giving it a 10 as well. I mean, it's a perfect adaptation. (laughs) I mean, I think that the series as a whole is a perfect adaptation. But this episode in particular, as has been mentioned by the rest of you, is just it's it's shot for shot ballad of fallen angels remixed with everything new about this series right it's the new vicious and the new spike and the new jet and the new julia and the new gren it's all of that stuff interacting in a perfect way that somehow still gives us exactly what we wanted and it gives us the exact right combination and patterns of note for a jazz song that we have heard a thousand times but it has this much improvisation on it and it is a thing of beauty and i feel like just to give it to the whole series we have to give this episode a 10 so i mean that's that's a hundred percent that's 40 out of 40 that's 10 out of 10 this is a perfect episode of cowboy bebop i don't disagree with that even just a tiny little bit I think it's honestly. the only perfect episode of the season right that we have had across all of mm-hmm. us yeah it is and and jesse as as someone who played jazz in high school i sincerely appreciate oh, that that makes me feel really good because i was worried that i fumbled through that in a way that made me look like an absolute moron so thank you phil <laughs> i i gotta say having you on the screen i think makes all of us feel smarter so i'm happy to know that it may actually be functioning that way now our friend our friend Callie says, "'Tis a cutie, the kitty cat that Ricky is holding up. He um, is currently not on the screen, but there is a cat, and I'm going to surmise that the cat may be the reason he's no longer on the screen. 
Um, our friend Steve says, my brain is mush from school. I need to sharpen it. That's why he's picking a fight with our friend Sean, it sounds like. <laughs> I am not opposed to that even a little bit. I think that that's very cool. And our friend Callie hears that alcohol is good for that. Maybe give, uh, I don't know, like say a prairie oyster a shot, Steve. I know that you are down. And you have the constitution for it. Now, you guys. That's it for the series. That's that's it for live action Cowboy Bebop. It's over. There are no more episodes. Wah, but wah. but we've been talking a lot about season two and how we're gonna hashtag save Cowboy Bebop. We're gonna get hashtag more Cowboy Bebop. So in the spirit of that, I feel like we should probably do a bonus episode where we get together with some of our podcasting friends and we cast season two. We just cast the remaining characters from the anime that we haven't seen yet in live action, and we'll talk about some of the plots that we want to see, and we'll cast those characters, we'll talk about what we think that might look like. We don't have a date planned for that yet, but I think it's definitely the way to go. And then maybe combined with that, or maybe its own separate bonus episode, I'd love to just do a retrospective on this whole series compared to the anime, get you know season-long thoughts from our guests that we've had, that sort of a thing. Now... To that point, I'd like to start right here and ask you, Phil, if you were going to rate this series as a whole, right? Not as an adaptation, but just on its own merits, like if this series is going to, if you were going to give it a rating out of 10, what would you give it? On on its own merits, uh, without compare, like if I'd gone into this fresh uh, without knowing the source material, nine out of 10. I can't say I disagree. I, it's so stylish and and it, it's just fun. Yeah, that's kind of the only word for I, it. Right? I mean, it, it is legitimately just fun. It, it, it's short. It's sweet. It is stylish. It is just yeah, nine out of ten overall. I agree with you 100%. Our friend Sean in a live chat agrees with you 100%. Live chat, go ahead and throw up your full series rating if you want and throw up your episode rating. Do anything, live chat. Put whatever things you want in the chat within reason, of course. Don't, like, link bomb me or anything. Now, I will, I do, we have to take a moment to let the folks at home know, listening in podcast land, if you're not here live, our friend Ricky D has dropped off of the screen. Ricky D is currently... Uh, he actually just said, he just texted the group chat saying, I have no idea what the damn cat did. Might take me a second to get back in. <laughs> he is working on it, but I, I what I said stands. Um, our friend Callie rates it 9.5 out of 10. Our friend Steve says boobs. Um, but Ricky D... Ricky D is actually currently very ill and he is pushing through some serious discomfort to be here with us tonight. And I can't tell you how much that means to yeah. us, but like all week in the group chat, he's been like, you guys, I'm trying, I'm trying. And we're like, dude, whatever you have to do. So it, it it's actually a good segue because I sometimes talk about how, you know, we do, we all have our real lives going on outside of podcasting. And we did already mention that earlier with Josh. Um, but this season in particular, right, has had a lot of stuff happening for all of us. There's there's a lot of stuff where it's like we built the spreadsheet that we talked about earlier so that we could just put our picks on there and then meet up at the end of the week and make a podcast <laughs> out of it, right? There was no, hey, you guys, are you watching at the same time I'm watching like we did with the anime mm -hmm. or like we did with Firefly, right? Because 
there just was not we couldn't do it this season and it's not anybody's fault or anything it was just you know everybody's real life had other demands of them but i gotta say i don't know about you josh i think it kind of worked out like having some amount of structure for us available to put things to may have really improved our ability to make i will most definitely be doing another spreadsheet next season because personally for me it was like i mean especially with guests and stuff it's so nice to be able to like phil hit me up yesterday hey man here's my shots and like you and ricky already had yours in the spreadsheet so it was like cool i can just sit down and and do my work instead of having to be like hey uh let me email you or message you 12 times to get (laughs) your shot like but no i i I really think this season went great i i mean we had a our first season was was a great beginning our second season was was a fun like it it didn't have a sophomore slump which was good sometimes those second seasons of things have a bit of a sophomore slump and i don't i don't feel like we had that as much um but i really feel like this last season um we've we've hit our stride and and i'm so excited about the future of sbi because it's it's just it's just up from here you know like there's so many there's so many ideas that I have and that you have and that Ricky has that we want to put to fruition and like I'm excited to make that happen. So so speaking of Josh, this is actually right now our 50th episode. Right now. This is our 50th episode. If you look at the feed, this will show up as I think episode 52 because we have a trailer in there that counts as an episode and we had to split one episode in half because of some recording oh, issues. Yeah. But this is episode 50 for us this is 50 freaking episodes you guys we have been doing sudden but inevitable for more than a year this is officially just a show that happens i gotta say welcome back ricky d we are glad to have you here with us really quickly let's go through these in the chat our friend angela says eight out of ten for the series callie says 0.5 off out of ten because it needs more ein rosie says agreed eight out of ten it was short and i needed more I just, and they're all welcoming Ricky back to the show. We are happy to have you here, Ricky. Now, as we did mention, yes, the future of SBI. The future of SBI. So first, we're going to do these couple of very cool live-action Cowboy Bebop bonus episodes because we cannot let it go. (laughs) Then there's going to be potentially a couple of bonus episodes with movies like we did in the last season while Josh sorts all of the rest of his moving situation out. And then... For season four, we are jumping. Ricky D is having feline issues once more. It's just a cat, Ricky. We love the cat. Remember, the cat is a living thing. For season four, we are definitely jumping headfirst into Death Note. Now, Death Note is not a space western. I do admit that. I'm fully aware of that. But it is, in fact, neither of those things. It is neither space nor western. (laughs) True. But Ricky D's number one concern with the series is the quality of it. And our friend Philip K., who was roommates with Ricky D., has a sneaking suspicion that we can get Ricky D. to enjoy Death Note. Now, that also means that our friend Callie D., no relation to Ricky D., may be stopping by slightly more frequently as a guest co-host than she did this season because Death Note is kind of Callie's jam, in case you can't tell, right there. So, that's sort of what we're looking at right now for the future of Sudden But Inevitable. There will be, uh, actually, let me really quickly throw this out there. There's going to be a one or two week break. I have a dental appointment. So there's going to be a one or two week break. Then there will be two bonus episodes. 
then there will maybe be two more, and then there will be a new season of Sudden But Inevitable covering Man, Death and Note. You got, and you got the, the Pike show coming out, and then we got Quest Me season three, four coming out, and then like MCM coming out, Best Flicks. Damn. This will be the first time that Josh and I have ever been able to have what I think is going to have to be called dueling podcasts so duel of the podcast fates maybe so what josh is referring to of course is my new podcast with cameron and producer john of green shirt a newbies trek through the next generation which of course is called open pike night which is a star trek podcast dedicated to covering star trek strange new worlds if you know anything about star trek you know that the first teaser trailer for strange new worlds just dropped this week our first episode of open pike night dropped on the same day and we used some time crystal shenanigans to assess that trailer and ask for some feedback from the audience open pike night is designed to be a call-in show where people share their thoughts with on star trek or their fears or their hopes their dreams call in leave us 90 seconds of audio at openpike at gmail.com good lord angeles i don't know how i missed that yes it will be called pod racing now you know, what this you means and Cameron is that... again, like that's just you guys are just <laughs> gonna bully me and Justin the whole time. <laughs> now, what Josh is referring to, of course, is that Strange New Worlds, the newest Star Trek series, will be running partially concurrently with the new Obi Wan Kenobi series on Disney Plus, which means that Quest Me is coming back, and they are going to be covering that partially overlapping. I am gonna have so much fun doing that with you, Josh, because we, like I said, we haven't got to do it before, so. Really quickly, one more time, go follow on Twitter at OpenPike. Send your audio of what you thought of the trailer or any hopes, fears, or wishes that you have for the series itself, as well as, let's be honest, you know, maybe your best stand-up style joke about the series, to OpenPike at gmail.com. Then go to Twitter and follow me at SuddenButt so that you can get everything that comes from Sudden But Inevitable and Open Pike Night at the same time from two separate fire hoses of just endless tweeting because you know how I am. Josh. And then listen to them, you know, with one earbud in each ear and just have them both going into your head at the exact same time. It's going to be great. Yeah, there are going to be some episodes where, where we, you know, cross do things like it'll it's like WandaVision and Loki, where things happen at the same time. Don't cross the, streams, cross the streams, but don't cross the streams. I, I totally kid that that'll never happen. That's we're no. <laughs> we might be okay at editing, uh, but like, <laughs> yes. Uh, really quickly, our friend Rosie in the chat on Twitter. It is at Open Pike. It is the name of the show is Open Pike Night, but we went with Open Pike because we figure that's easier to remember. So oh, at Open Pike on Twitter or at Open Pike at gmail.com to send your audio clip. You know, maybe I'll start a quest me Twitter this week. Ooh. Just 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 for that. That's true. I will do that. This Speaking week. of things that are true, our friend Sean says you have to be ex- excited about Pike's beard or Jesse will Twitter shame you. That's true. I will. I have no problem admitting that at all. And also, they managed to sneak Steve's Enterprise charcuterie board into the trailer. If you know what he's talking about, throw up a thumbs in the live chat. You guys, I've been talking for another 20 minutes. Josh has been telling us about Quest Me. Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. What is the news surrounding Best Flicks, my friend? Uh, Josh and I did an episode of Suicide Squad earlier this week, right before I started vomiting like a fountain. So, uh... (laughs) 
I need to get that edited up. It's very thematically appropriate. Yes, I have to get that edited up and dropped, but uh, I really enjoyed the Suicide Squad movie. Uh, I'm actually on my second watch through a Peacemaker right now, which is very unlike me. Uh, I usually... Yeah, that's really cool. I'm glad you like those. Yeah, I tend to stay pretty far away from the superhero stuff, but uh, the attitude and the comedy and everything that's coming out of these James Gunn uh, DC superhero movies i'm really digging I it. tell you man you gotta watch the batman it's you're you're really gonna like the batman i, I promise what if i just watched the dark knight again you could do that <laughs> but like then watch the batman you know our friend angelus in the chat says why does ricky do you remind me of that scene from the exorcist probably because that's what he was going for i uh, it was so not well far up. off <laughs> I'm that's amazed scary. at what my body was able to do. Let's immediately stop night. talking you, about this. You crab off Phil, down the stairs. As our guest, awesome. if stop it, please. <laughs> as our guest, Phil, if the good folks out there in the live chat or in listening in podcast land need more Phil in their days, how do they get that? Y'all can find me on Twitter. I am at FlipWriter. Follow me there for all manner of library ramblings and just kind of random stuff about various things that I have seen or read. Uh, you can also find my blog at swordsoftheancients.com, uh, where I post a lot of, uh, of book reviews. Most recently, uh, Gretchen Felker Martin's Manhunt, which is about a gender-based apocalypse and how it impacts specifically trans people. Uh, which is absolutely spectacular, violent, vicious, bloody, uh, and just fun. Uh, and coming up soon is John Scalzi's upcoming book, The Kaiju Preservation Society, which is about what happens when you kind of mash up Jurassic Park with Pacific Rim, and it has been an absolute blast of a book so far. That sounds like a ton of fun. I'll be honest, I'm super interested in that suddenly but perhaps inevitably now i have to ask you guys before we get out of here because it's going to be a while before we talk to any of these fine beautiful people in our live chat which include sincera angelus rosie callie sean uh sky i believe was here earlier is there anything that you guys feel like we have to say before we go kind of off the air for a couple of weeks here before i mean like do you need to get anything out you know any thanks or anything uh, like that sinicera steve requested the uh name of the book one more time the the scalzi one is the kaiju preservation society it's coming out in a couple of weeks. And I will put a link to that, uh, somewhere to buy that in the show notes this week so that that'll be easier for you listeners. I don't really have much, man. I mean, like there's, you know, I, I might not be on a couple of the upcoming bonus episodes just because of what's going on. Um, but I will try my best to be a part of all of those because I love to podcast with you guys. So um, I, I'm... Just super excited to to get going again. I'm I'm sad that this is the last one, but I'm ready to start planning the the next one. I'm I'm ready for this open Pike Night Quest Me War that apparently is about to go down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a friendly competition. It'll be a friendly competition. It's an independent podcast. It can't be warlike Whatever, by man. nature. <laughs> <laughs> um, other than that, like I just can't thank you guys all enough for a being here you guys doing the podcast with me everyone in the live chat you guys like are incredible um i 
I appreciate the shit out of every one of you. Um, you guys are always messaging us in our in our inboxes and and giving us fun little tidbits. And you know, I I always enjoy talking to you guys. So it's it's great to uh, to see you every week. And I'm just so excited to keep doing it. So that's uh that's about all I got. Oh, uh, Russell Wilson of the Broncos. Go Broncos! <laughs> Ricky D. My friend, have you got anything you feel like you have to share before we wrap this up for the evening? Uh, just thank you for everybody that always comes every week. Thank you, Phil, for being such an awesome part of this. I'm thrilled that our friendship has kind of come back to life a little bit through this. So that's been great. Uh, and just it's really nice having people here every week. I would have I think I would have really liked to take tonight off if it weren't for our entire audience. If I didn't know that Callie was waking up at 6 a.m., uh, if there wasn't, all, and it's like, you know what? I can tough it out for another hour and a half, two hours sitting here talking a little bit if that's what it takes. And I'm happy to do so. And thank all of you. And this darn cat needs to stay <laughs> off my deck. Thank you all for, thank you all for having me, you know, repeatedly coming on the show. I, I sincerely appreciate being invited to come in and ramble about cowboy bebop <laughs> shit with y'all for a while of course and thank you for coming we we're getting to that point where we're like people are gonna start having to be left out of seasons because we're making so many friends like good thing we have like eight shows you can come be a part of <laughs> well and so what i was gonna say actually really quick programming note for death note i'm thinking we're gonna go one episode at a time you guys they're 22 minutes each and there are 37 episodes that puts us in your ears and in front of your faces for half a year before we have to think about well, and, what happens next for something not inevitable. for two hours a, a friday maybe more like 45 right. minutes <laughs> or you know maybe an hour and 10 minutes like we can get through things a little quicker if there's not quite as much to talk about and i think that will make every show better honestly so just a quick heads up there our friend Angelus wants to leave a final note it's going to take a bit to type so go ahead and type that up Angelus, while i say Thank you to you guys on the screen with me. Josh and I have known each other since the first day of first grade. It's not just a story that we tell. It's literally how we met. Um, we didn't make our first podcast together until at least several days after that. But uh, it it was the beginning of a literal lifelong friendship. I've known Josh since that day and continue to know Josh. So um, to find something that works for both of us as a creative outlet and a way to spend time together without putting each other in danger, depending on the circumstances, for example. It's just, I, I feel like we found our thing, and that makes me really grateful. And Ricky D, to know that you came to this, like, sort of just on a whim, like, I'm going to turn on my computer and see what these people that I used to know are up to, it's huge for me like to reconnect with somebody over something this big and and blow that up into 50 episodes and no joke like over 24 hours of content easily <laughs> like it's just so cool to me like it's it's the essence of a, of a space western to find more family members right and i feel like you guys will agree with me when i say we really feel like the indie podcasting community that we have found falls in that category. Sean from Cheap Seat, Cameron from Green Shirt, Chris and Leslie from Measuring the Score, Philip K from Flip Writer, Swords of the Agents. Shit, I forgot what your suffix was. <laughs> it's dot com. 
to my point, right? We've talked to Meg and Carla from Bed, Wed, Behead, um, Lauren from Beard Owl Podcast. She's never been here, but we talked to her on Twist My Arm, and we had a blast. And there's just, there's so many, like, I, I can't even name all the podcasts that we've had as guests. You know, the guys from uh, Bebop Tabletop were here, and I went there, and uh, Bebop Beat had me on. Like, we've met so many cool people with this, and, of course, everybody in the live chat that we met through doing this. This is just, I, I love being here. Our friend Angelus has finished typing his note. Coming from the Elite of Fandom, it is so refreshing to come across another group of fans that are just simply passionate about what they love instead of wasting energy on hate. Hashtag save Cowboy Bebop. I appreciate that. It really means a lot to me because I could sit here and bag on all the things I don't like all night, but that would just suck to watch and listen to, I think. I mean, I could do it, but it wouldn't be fun. Sean says, thank you guys for your support of Cheap Seat Reviews. You're the best. Looking forward to more content. Trust me, brother. There's more content coming, and you're going to be part of it. Our friend Callie says, I love your optimism about the amount of talking you can do. That's the only way to get through my life in real life, Callie. And our friend Sincera says, hashtag save Cowboy Bebop. You guys, what do you say? Should we call it an evening? Should we wrap it up, get out of here, get back to our real lives for at least a couple of days? All right. So, for Sudden But Inevitable, I have been Jesse. I have been Philip K. at Flip Rider. This is Ricky D. unmuting himself from Best Flicks with Ricky D. This is Josh. Not going to say anything snarky to Ricky D. We will see you next season, legally sanctioned interplanetary vigilante. Thank you for listening to Sudden But Inevitable. Follow us on Twitter at Sudden But. Find us on Instagram at Sudden But Inevitable Podcast. To get everything all in one place, go to twistmyarm.net slash SBI. And join the show live in the chat at youtube.com slash twistmyarmpodcast. Sudden But Inevitable is a Twist My Arm podcast. The views and opinions expressed on this show are held solely by those speaking